Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... evolutionary.org hardcore 2.0 episode 31 coming your way yes today we're gonna do anadrol bulk from paraform on anadrol is one of the best ones uh for bulking but it's very unique in itself and um this is gonna be a really interesting one so you definitely want to listen closely on this to really understand the history and how anadrol is structured because it'll blow your mind at how these evil geniuses and these geeks came up with such a potent yet very, very unique oral steroid anadrol. So we're going to talk about that. We're talking about how to dose it, stack it. We're going to talk about diet and nutrition for bulking on it because it is a great bulker. Um, you definitely want to use it for bulking, not for cutting. We're going to talk about how to get the most out of it. And then we're going to talk about parapharma and why parapharma has such great anadrol and what really their secret is for their superior brand of products. So first, let's start with the history behind anadrol. And look, anadrol has different names. Uh, A50, because it came in 50 milligram per, per, per pill. A-bombs is a slang term so if you're ever in the gym and you guys are talking steroids and someone says yeah man i'm i'm on, I'm on a bombs for the past four weeks this is what they're referring to anadrol so oxymethylone is the scientific name for it and developed by zoltan pharmaceuticals in the 60s and at the time it came out it was even given to children to help them with muscle growth for those who have were being malnourished or who had some type of growth problem. So also osteoporosis and anemia patients were getting a lot of benefits from anadrol. So if you are, you know, using it, you'll notice on cycle, your red blood cell count goes up, your hematocrat goes up, and that is not by accident. That is what Anadrol was designed to do at a therapeutic dose. So imagine you using it at PED dosages and what it would do for you. So the side effects of anadrol, way too much. So obviously, you know, not a good idea that they were giving it to children. And we have a lot better drugs now in the pharmaceutical community that have come out since that can do what anadrol was doing when it comes to the therapeutic and the medicinal benefits. So obviously anadrol had no purpose anymore in that arena. So, you know, obviously we, as guys who are looking for performance enhancing, took it and started using it for that purpose, for bodybuilding, for powerlifting, for weight training, et cetera. And that's where it shines. And um, at the end of the day, there are, very, very good uses for it. It actually made a comeback because with HIV and AIDS, wasting uh, people who had those 
issues. But again, with that, even though it came back for that purpose and it did work well, again, the side effects are just too much. So it went back away. And thankfully, we now have a lot better um, medis medicines for those who have HIV AIDS. So it's definitely one of those things where it made a comeback, but then it went back out in the medical community. So um, at the end of the day, uh, one of the guys who made it popular over time was Dan Duchesne. So I'll bring in Mobster. You're more familiar with Dan Duchesne than I am. Talk a little bit about who this guy was and talk about how he popularized Anadrol. There's, for my history, such as it is, Steve, with regards to how long I've been in the game, etc., I came across him when he was regularly writing in Bill Phillips' magazine, Muscle Media 2000 or Muscle Media 2K, as it later become. So it, it became interesting to me. And to say that he was a character is probably an understatement. I mean, I believe Alaki Steve was a bit of a sexual deviant in his own way. I think he liked being extreme. And, of course, he got attention in that way. Him and perhaps Paul Borison loved to push the envelope in terms of the conversations about pharmacology and PEDs. And, you know, they've had fantasy cycles. And I mean, there's so many Duquesne stories that the people that knew him have. I can think of, for example, he, he was probably one of the earliest in terms of experimenting with his girlfriends. What do I mean by that? I don't just mean sexual. I mean, in terms of performance enhancing drugs. So he was having female athletes that became lady friends, girlfriends, whatever you want to call casuals, friends with benefits, as well as obviously just good old fashioned clients where they would try products and he would have them, you know, I've just heard of this new book, Fat Burner, try this. And he would be flexing with the dust. He did the same to himself. So it wasn't just that he was experimenting on other people. And, and of course, he also had a little uh, circle of friends, a couple of which we know the names of, in terms of people that would go from research products for him and try to find new things that were out there and whatever else. So, you know, that particular way, I mean, he, I think he wrote one of the first, not the first, but one of the first underground steroid type handbooks, et cetera. And that particular name was one that was associated with one that he wrote, but there were others. We discussed one recently, ironically, the publisher of Iron Man magazine, John Ballack, wrote probably one of the earliest, if not the earliest. Uh, and, and, and John doesn't necessarily come across as crazy or fucked up or as hardcore as Dan was. I mean, Dan served time for importation, so there's a, 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 a Dan is also associated with uh, John Romano and Dave Palumbo, a bunch of that stuff. And they've all got some amazing, great stories out there. But I think he would probably be arguably, and he wouldn't, the most public in terms of his experimentation with performance enhancing drugs to sometimes actually fucking himself up and some of his clients and, and partners and so on and so forth. In terms of the Anadrol stuff, I'll, I'll refer to the article here, Steve. You call him the fire of the modern underground steroid movement. He was touting oxymethylone, anadrol, as a cheaper alternative to Dynabol with more bang for the buck. And in fact, those of us who knew Dan heard rumors he had self-injected anadrol by brewing it in his house. True or not, he may well have had one of the first underground labs in US history. I suspect he was also, Steve, and again, there's stories about this in muscle media, him and some of the other guys, nipping over to Mexico and going into the pharma pharmacies there and, and trying out that kind of stuff. Uh, it is also rumoured, of course, that Dan Duquesne may well have died as a result of kidney disease, possibly developed 
by testing and using too much Anadrol. I, I, you occasionally come across people like this, and Dan's a good example of this, Steve. Uh, and we see this online. And like I said, it's great for traction and it makes for a great discussion. You will always have, and I think Anadrol is a bad example of something that you should experiment with in this way. You will always have the characters in a sport that make for interesting conversation. Some of these characters are just out there and they will be the kind of people that the logic of if X works, then two times X or three times X works more. I've got a buddy and I constantly joshing each other in terms of quoting milliliters of how much product is injected per week. And, and you have to work out the milligrams in your head. But if it's averaging 250, 300, he'll talk about 27 mils a week and all this kind of stuff. And some of it's bullshit and some of it's true. I think that they're slightly exaggerated, but not a lot. And he's on the smaller side, but he basically just enjoys injecting an enormous amount of steroids. And of course, we've seen this with um, the death cycles, so-called death cycles, where people just go absolutely crazy. For me, and I suspect this is going to be the same for Steve Smith when we're talking about this stuff, you don't need to do crazy shit of Anadrol. It's a crazy enough drug, oral, on its own, at the recommended dosages. And I will say this as well, Steve, I've heard, although I didn't actually have this response myself, I've heard of some users going 20 pounds, a lot of which is water, of course, on Anadrol. If you respond well to certain PEDs, and we've all got performance enhancing drugs that we enjoy and that we know that we're going to get a certain response to, some more than others, Anadrol for some users is, 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 is a bulk extraordinaire, Steve, in terms of that kind of response. I, we can thank Dan, the late Mr. Duquesne, if only for his experimentation, leading us to where the sensible doses work just as well as they should, and you don't need to do fucked up shit like Dan was back in the day. What do you think on that, Steve? Yeah, and, you know, he died in 2000. I mean, when I was in college when this happened. I never heard of the guy. Um, I read a lot of weightlifting books throughout my teens, and, you know, I learned weight training from – I had a really good weightlifting coach as a teenager as well in high school. So that's why I learned it. But obviously I knew nothing about anabolic steroids. So um, I never heard of Dan Duchesne except on the forums, uh, you know, later. And a lot of the older guys seem to worship him and say, you know, but at the time I could see that because he was the one who basically brought Clint to bodybuilders. He was the one who introduced the MP into bodybuilding. I mean, he was on TV. He was promoting this stuff. So it's not like it, it is now where anybody can go on YouTube and yak, you know, about this stuff. At the time, he was pretty much the godfather of this stuff, even though he himself had, you know, wasn't a good bodybuilder. Um, I'm not sure if his genetics were bad. I'm not sure if he just didn't know how to train properly. I'm not really sure. But he definitely at the time was very knowledgeable on this stuff. And Anadrol was definitely one of his favorites. So Mobster touched on that a bit, and we'll talk about the structure of Anadrol. Uh, to put it crudely, Steve, he was a skinny motherfucker. And the only muscle that he'd added would be obviously as a result of sun training and performance enhancing drugs on top. He wasn't a big guy. Uh, I believe he had a good set of calves, etc. I'm reminded when, when we were just talking of Paul Borison again. Now, Paul, ultimately at some point, I believe ended up at 260 pounds. So Paul had good genetics for size. Unfortunately, he didn't have good genetics for standing on stage 
He did well sort of in the middle ranking type competitions, but was never going to win the, 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 you know, the Mr. Universe in the UK or, or, or English Grand Prix or anything like that. He was never going to get a pro guard and go over to the States. Both of them possessed, it's arguable, again, great knowledge. Uh, they were both finally out there trying to think of different angles, talking, they, they had people that were working with who were chemists and they would sit down and they enjoyed those kind of conversations. Both of them were aware, you know, of the history of the sport and how steroids are made and that kind of thing. So, and I think they made for an exciting time at the beginning, as you say, early to mid nineties, when this kind of information wasn't really discussed. You and I have touched upon the history of, you know, books being shared and the guy is sitting around the breakfast table at a, cafe after training in the gym doing cardio or something and having these kind of conversations and you might talk to someone at the gym there was very little steroidal information it wasn't 20 or 30 years old even the earlier bodybuilding magazines in the 60s they innocently print, print in articles on steroids and then of course they started to think about the side effects and they didn't like the publicity they got so that all disappeared and it was people like dan initially and paul later on and one or two others who, who didn't become as famous that promoted the conversations uh, so that you might disagree with them, but you still talks about it. And this is the kind of stuff that you and I still like to see on occasion on the forums. And it's the reason, of course, why we do this podcast. Why? Because we like to make sure the information is as accurate and, and has come from a broad spectrum. We can easily do conversations, you and I, about crazy fuck-type cycles for normal individuals. Ironically, we do that a little bit with competitive bodybuilders. Dan and, and Paul, Paul's example, we would have the divorce cycle, the, the lottery winner's cycle, and all these kind of silly, you know, if I had more money than I knew what to do with, how much would I, how much growth would I buy? It made for a fun conversation, but in reality, you, you, you take bits of information out of there, which is sensible and useful. I've actually had personal interaction with Paul Brosson when he was alive. I can't say that I've had that with Dan, uh, I think it would be one of those after I wouldn't want him as a neighbour, Steve, but I wouldn't mind if he lived in my town so I could go and visit and drop in and have this conversation. But have him live next door, have him visit, no, not thank you, because I think we've just been bringing over face, crazy fucked up shit and get me in a, a world of trouble. But it, you need people like this to experiment and to push the envelope and to see what's good and what's bad and if there's side effects, etc. so that the rest of us, like this podcast, can go back and say, hang on, these is a sweet spot. This is what you should do. This is how you should diet. This is how you should train and so on and so forth. So we needed people like Dan back in the day. So let's get into the structure and understand, you know, what Andrew is all about. So look, it's very confusing. I can remember back in the, in the late two thousands on forums and guys would bash each other and, you know, attack each other because they would say, Oh yeah, you know, Anadrol. It's a it's a wet steroid, and then someone else would say, "No, it's a DHT derivative. How how could it be a wet steroid?" And then they'd get into arguments over, it and someone would come back and say, "Oh, that's wrong. It's not a DHT derivative." You know, so there was a lot of that back then. And um, look at the at the bottom. The bottom line is structurally, it is a is it is of course a dihydrotestosterone. I mean, that's not not that's not even up for debate. But the thing is, it's. It's different than than the Anavar of the world, the Winstrels of the world, the Primos of the world. It's not going to aromatize into estrogen, but it can still hit those estrogen receptors in your body and cause that big, you know, uh, explosion in weight, that that quick bulk, you know. So 
it is a great bulking steroid, even though it is a DHT derivative. And it's just the way they structured it. There's the addition of, of a two hydroxymethylene group to its chemical structure. So that's really the only major change that was done to this steroid. And that's what makes all the difference. So you're not going to lean up on anadrol, but it's weird because you'll bulk up, you'll get bigger, your muscles will get bigger when you're on it, you'll get stronger, but you'll also get harder. It's really, really weird. And it's one of my favorite oral steroids for that reason, especially if I want to get big quick and I want to get hard. I don't want to get a watery look like it, I would on D-Bowl. So it's nothing like D-Bowl, which is a testosterone derivative. It is actually a dihydro testosterone derivative. Amazing, huh? How they structured this. And whoever came up with Anadrol, I don't know if they meant to do it like that or if it was one of those things where they were bored or if it was one of those things where they wanted to do something that was different, that could bulk you, that could work really well for uh, muscle-wasting diseases, but that also didn't aromatize into estrogen. So it's really a fascinating anabolic steroid and um, really a brilliant thing to put together as long as you're not like severely uh, sensitive to estrogenic issues. Because even though it doesn't aromatize into estrogen, as I said, it can still stimulate those estrogen receptors. So it's really, really weird. And a lot of, you know, we're, we, a lot of, it, it still doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But look, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Because people have run Anadrol by itself and ended up with gyno issues. They run it by itself and end up with estrogen issues, even though their estrogen levels did not go up. So I don't know. It's just, that's how it is. And we kind of have to just accept that. And you just got to know when you start using Anadrol that using an aromatized inhibitor with Anadrol is not going to help with the estrogen related side effects. Yeah. Let me jump in for a second here, Steve. So again, and I mentioned this earlier when, when I talked about it was fun with Dan and Paul to discuss steroids and push the envelope in terms of what they were thinking and all that kind of stuff. So here's the thing, early, early days, and you still get some places that do this, they'll rate a steroid. For example, we did a recent podcast where we said, oh, Trent is this and Dynabo is that in comparison, say, to testosterone, right? And, and it's like five times more potent, et cetera, et cetera. So I've seen stuff back in the day. I think uh, William Llewellyn in his anabolic encyclopedias would have a, a rating system in his books. And I've seen other rating systems and it'd be things like you said, androgen, uh, uh, you know, a business of estrogen issues and so on and so forth. So there's a bunch of rating systems out there and some gurus have got their own versions. And you'll notice quite often when these things are done that the, the score won't be the same from one person to the next. There's a few, you and I have discussed Taranabol, for example, where a lot of gurus absolutely rate the drug and yet users, it should be more popular than it is amongst users and customers of, uh, of, of, of approved sources and isn't for some reason. So a bunch of people don't like it, like it a lot, and will use it again and again. And others are like, well, you know, I can get better gains from this, I can get better gains from that, and so on. Anadrol is one of those drugs. Anadrol, it shouldn't do what it does. And chemically, you've got the chemist to say, oh, well, it's this, as Steve says, a DHD derivative, so therefore that shouldn't happen. Yes, mate, but it does happen. 
So it's one of those things where, and this is a problem again with some steroids, it hasn't been studied. And it's not been studied because the medical use was a low dose, the PED use is a lot higher. And again, if you're going to do a medical study, you don't really want all your subjects having terrible side effects. You don't. Any normal over-the-counter medication, painkiller, medical treatment for cancer, for example, et cetera, et cetera, you don't want them having terrible side effects. You don't want to have to give them more drugs in the study. And again, there's another thing, and I've touched on this as well, Steve. It's the issue of uh, personal affinity, as in I've tried Anadrol and didn't respond to it as well as I do with Dynabol, for example, in terms of bulking, which we're going to talk about. But also, again, it's the difference, the physical difference between one person and the next. The person is super skinny and they, they take Anadrol and they've got a great affinity for Anadrol, they'll blow up. Uh, I wouldn't recommend, for example, a drug that might have these kind of issues for a person that's borderline obese, that the body fat's a little bit higher, and so on and so forth. So you will have, to, to put it crudely, fans of certain steroids, and you, ha you have those people that respond incredibly well to a particular steroid, like myself, I don't respond or get very little response with another steroid, and so therefore I'm more likely to be a fan of the first than the second. Steve will have the same, the listeners will have the same. Anadrol, for some listeners, for some users will be an amazing strength drug, an amazing bulking drug. And I'd actually argue, because we talked about this, the majority of our listeners will respond well, perhaps not on the order of the number that I gave earlier when in say 20 pounds, but certainly five, six, seven, eight pounds as a minimum or more. Some of you, 20%, might not. And there'll be reasons for that. It might be, as I said, Steve says, you know, estrogen receptors, it might be your body fat levels, it might just be, you know, you're not hydrating properly, about whether you're working crazy and all this kind of stuff. So there's that, that, that variance is in there. And Anadrol is one of those ones, I think, where we could argue, Steve, that there's a little bit more variance than there would be with, say, for example, straight testosterone. We talk about 500 milligrams of testosterone uh, as, as being a sweet spot for 99.9% .9 of users. Anadrol is a little bit different in that particular regards. And the scoring systems, the rating systems, they, they, they don't throw up what they should because it's on paper it's one thing but in reality for the majority of users it's something else so you know we have to sort of we, we talk about it the structure and the chemical analysis etc but we almost have to ignore that because in reality we can we we know users that use it we know what most people respond to how they respond and that's what we're talking about on this podcast so you know we're not chemists we're, we're not uh, we're not doing these studies and the little bit of science that there is should make it one thing, but in reality, it's something else. So it's, it's an amazing bulk of Steve. It shouldn't be, but it is. And that's the reality for the majority of listeners. Back to you. So let's talk a little bit about the side effects, and then we're going to talk dosing stacking, and then we're going to talk about diet and nutrition. That's a very, very important topic as well uh, to get the most out of your anandro. So first of all, uh, look, side effects, look, very unique. Um, I, I can't say it enough. You can expect the same side effects that someone would get from using Dynabol or testosterone. Um, you get those estrogenic type side effects like the bloat. You get the high blood pressure, which can have a domino effect into having insomnia and having low energy throughout the day. Um, definitely Anadrol is not, not one you want to take. If you like to do a lot of cardio, if you like to have a lot of energy, it's not going to help you with that. It is a pure powerlifting, bodybuilder, getting big, bulking up type of steroid. The gynecomastia is, is if you're prone to it, 
then it could happen on Anadrol. Um, and the thing is, like, once you get these estrogenic side effects, there's no way really to stop it. Now, some people have experimented with using Novadex, which is an estrogen blocker, which will block estrogen from feedbacking back into the pituitary glands. But you got to remember, because Anadrol is a DHT derivative, you're not you're not going to be creating more estrogen, but the existing estrogen you have would get reduced in the body, won't be able to feed back to the pituitary glands. So some people have had success using Novadex with Anadrol, but you're not going to get the um, you're not going to get anything from using an AI with Anadrol. You're just going to crash your estrogen to zero. So it's like it's almost not a, a good idea to do that. So I, I think in my mind, if you're prone to estrogen, maybe find a different steroid. Um, if you're not sure, ease into the Anadrol and see how you do on it. I know someone who actually recently ran Anadrol and they were gyno prone and they were fine. Um, I've run it a couple times, never had any issues with gyno. So if you keep it, you know, at a same dosage and you only run it for uh, four to six weeks, I think that you have the best chance to get away with that. Also, you got to worry about the other side effects, the more aggressive side effects, the uh, potential to get, um, you know, aggression on it, the potential to get um, acne, the potential to have some headaches on it. And then the pumps and the cramps have also an issue on it, which a lot of you are going to like. If you like to go body, if you like to lift weights, and do high repetitions and do drop sets. You're gonna love Anadrol. It's gonna give you a nice pump. You'll 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 leave the gym feeling like like a million bucks with your, with your muscles popping out of your body. If you like to do endurance, Anadrol is not a good idea. Stay away from Anadrol because it's gonna slow you down when it comes to that. You won't be able to run on it because your pumps and your calves are gonna be so bad that's gonna feel like your calves are about to explode. So you don't want to do that. And then finally, the liver. It is liver toxic. Um, it's structured as a 17 alpha alkylated and it's structured in a way where it actually doesn't get destroyed by the liver. So of course it's going to be liver toxic and that's by design because you don't want to take something that's just going to get destroyed by the liver. That's kind of pointless to do. So yeah, at the end of the day, look, 50 milligrams is the standard cookie cutter dose of Anadrol. That's what I ran. I ran it for four weeks, crazy results in four weeks. Body transformation in four weeks. If you're looking to bulk, it will bulk you up. Um, it is a amazing oral steroid. I love it uh, for bulking. Um, it's not something I would use today for my current goals, but of course my goals could change. A couple of years from now, maybe I'll, I'll want to bulk back up again. I don't know. So it just depends. But it's not a steroid to take if you want to get a ripped six-pack. It's not a steroid to take if you want to go running six miles a day. It's not a steroid to take if you want to cut down. It is a steroid for bulking. And that and, there, and it is what it is. And a lot of you will appreciate the bulking aspects of Anadrol. So look, four to six weeks is a great cycle with Anadrol. Solo 50 milligrams a day. Um, I'll bring a mobster. Mobster talk about using it solo, talk about stacking, and then I'll come back and give you some ideas for stacking it. Yeah, I mean, the top end, and this is just, the, the again, a small percentage of listeners, you're looking at maybe 100 milligrams. But again, 50 milligrams, like Steve said, is a sweet spot. I agree. That's all I did. 
something else, Steve. Uh, I would probably dose this in around the same frequency. The half-life, and there are differences of opinion on this, is between five and nine hours. I, I would do it three times a day, arguably uh, two to four times a day suffices, especially if you're using the upper doses. And guys, pretty much every place, every source, and Parapharma included, have in a 50 milligram form. So use a pill splitter or do what I do, just cut the damn pill in half. Not that much. That's not that much of an issue. I also agree with Steve in terms of the time, probably slightly less than I would normally say, which would be around eight weeks. And again, as per a recent podcast we recorded, there's a little bit of debate amongst some gurus and some advisors in terms of time. For arguably those that are sensitive, I would keep it towards a shorter period of time for those individuals. So four weeks. Uh, and I might have that as a, a, a cycle where I'm doing something else. Uh, so, for example, halfway through the four weeks, at the end of the four weeks, do something else. And then for four more weeks, do something else again. Uh, and then so on in that particular way. What would I start? Uh, I, I, for me, Steve, I think I'd keep it four to six weeks just because, again, this is for most listeners. If you bulk up very well and we said it's a great bulker uh, because of the estrogenic issues, because of the water issues, because of the blood pressure issues because of the bloated face, et cetera, why do you want to feel like that for another two weeks more uh, just to get that little bit more out of it? And again, guys, I say this a lot. You can always, especially if you're doing shorter cycles, a short cycle, time off, another short cycle, time off, and you can do that three times a year. So you don't have to do it all at once on the first cycle or the first time you use Anadrol. There's always another time, another day, et cetera, et cetera. I'm in this for the long term, so is Steve. You know, 40 plus years, training, lifting, 20-odd years of uh, using PEDs. So, you know, there's no need to rush it all and put on 20 pounds in one hit, uh, unless there's some sort of bet going on, guys. What would I stack it with? I'd probably run it, again, initially, solo. I wouldn't run it with anything else, and there's a couple of reasons for that. I don't want to get confused with any other performance-enhancing drug that I'm using at the same time as to what caused the blow. I want to see how I respond to Anadrol on its own. Uh, if I was a powerlifter strength athlete, which I am, I would definitely run it, Steve, with, again, a sweet spot, 50 milligrams a day of Anavar, uh, because I think the combination of, of strength, which I know I get an Anavar, and I very rarely add more than four to five pounds on cycle. And then if I if I responded well to Anadrol, as most of you will at the same time uh, use Anadrol, the power should go up again. I mean, I know what I get on Anavar, can I imagine if I responded well to Anadrol at the same time, Steve? My God. Well, I, I talked in a recent podcast about adding 20 kilos for my off-cycle bench press, which is 44 pounds, to my on-cycle bench press. And that was just on Anadrol. That was just on something like Dynabol. So Anadrol, if I responded well, I can see another 5 or 10 kilos there. That's 30 kilos. That's a 66-pound difference between my off-cycle uh, bench bench and my on cycle best so that for me would be absolutely amazing uh, in fact the only issue i could see there steve is you want to make sure that your joints are nice and safe your connective tissue safe so yeah that would be a strength cycle what would you do steve if we were talking about adding pounds of muscle which most of our listeners are going to want instead well here's the thing about anadrol and you know i said it already you said it already the way anadrol is designed you don't need to stack it it's already got everything it's a dht it's it, it it's strong enough to not get destroyed in the body, even taking it as an oral. It's androgenic. It 
you know, it, it, it causes a boost in, in appetite. I mean, it causes, it causes uh, some water retention and size. So it's like, it already has everything in it already. So it's like, why, why do you even need to stack it? And look, we could, we could sit here and tell you, you know, to go buy this steroid, go buy that, like these other podcasts and tell you to go buy five different steroids and run them. But like at the end of the day, just run the Anadrol. It's got everything already. So it works best. But if you insist on stacking it, okay, I wouldn't stack it with an oral because it is, it is, it is quite liver toxin. If you're running 50 milligrams a day, you're going to get a lot of liver toxicity. So I would not stack it with another oral. I would stack it with an injectable. So which injectable? I would use a mild injectable that didn't come with estrogenic issues. Equipoise, for example. Equipoise would be a great option because it's a mild steroid. It's a slow builder. So it'll complement the anadrol well, and you'll get good bodybuilding and bulking results, stacking them both together. And it's not going to interfere with the anadrol's uh, appetite increases. Equipoise won't cause a crash in appetite. So it, it stacks well with it. Um, I would, I would, I would consider, um, another injectable, uh, testosterone. You could do testosterone with it at a very, very low dosage. I would not exceed 150 milligrams if you're going to do testosterone with it, because now you're going to really open yourself to a lot of aromatization side effects. Another injectable I would consider would be primobolin. And primobolin is a DHT derivative as well. So now you're stacking two DHTs. But because primobolin is a very different DHT than, say, Masteron or Winstrol, it's not going to impede the anadrol effects. It will just add to the cycle. You'll get more nitrogen retention. You'll get more protein synthesis on primobolin. But you won't get additional side effects, you see. So there is a method to the madness when it comes to stacking with anadrol, we don't want to add to side effects. Like I wouldn't run trend with anadrol, for example, that would be a little too intense. I, I, you know, and that would cause like quite a bit of side effects that you're, that would be counterproductive for you. So, you know, I would do it. I would do it like that. Just stack something mild. That's, that's, that's not going to interfere too much and let the anadrol do, do the bulk of the work. That's how, that's how I would stack it. Mobster. Now let's get into diet and nutrition a little bit. I'll start you off first. Why don't you talk about um, uh, 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 weight training on it and and how would you train on anadrol to get the best results? And then I'll touch on diet a little bit after. Yeah, I, here's the thing, guys. And, and I'm going to bang the drum a little bit on this particular one in terms of sort of a mobster says. Right. So you're going to bulk. So I don't really think you should be doing high volume training uh, I mean, great. You may be doing a drop set at the end of the workout that I'm going to talk about and the numbers are going to talk about just for that amazing drill pump and sure, why the hell not? But here's the thing, guys. I don't want you doing nothing but isolations. I don't want you doing nothing but sort of crazy science machines and whatever else. I want you, especially if we're talking about a bulk and especially if you respond well to Anadrol, to be doing a big-ass compound movement. Heavy curls, heavy presses, heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, heavy every fucking thing. Honestly, guys. And and I want you, you know, the sweet spot for rep ranges is probably around the 8 to 12. I'd actually get you down probably to 8 to 10. I would literally write out a program for you in terms of 
here's where you should be at the beginning, here's where you should be at the end. I would do that on the basis of Xanadrol is a great bulker and a strengthening drug for the lifters amongst you. There should be an improvement on the numbers of weights at the beginning to the end of the cycle and so on. And just let me do one exercise alone, just to give you a sort of an image in your mind, an example of how this would work. Let's say, for example, that you squat and you're fortunate enough to be able to get reps with three plates aside. So 300 pounds, 308 pounds, 140 kilos, something like that. I, I, or 315 pounds if you use on the 45 pound plates in the States. I want you to be doing at the beginning something like three sets of eight reps. By the end of a four to six week cycle, I want you to be doing four to five sets of eight to 12 reps. In fact, I'd rather have you at the, by the end of that cycle at the 12 reps. Now, what does that mean? It should mean you're going to be thickening fibers. You're going to be a uh, uh, stronger full stop. Therefore, the muscles should be larger. Your Most uh, steroids, anabolic steroids specifically, are great at nitrogen increments. In terms of you're going to take more protein in and you're going to retain more protein. I, you, this is the thing that sometimes happens and it's kind of annoying if you do the same goddamn training program that you would do before in the same sort of rep range with the same sort of percentage as your one rep max and take steroids, you might gain something because you're still creating stimulus. But if you program, and this applies to the diet as well, which Steve's going to talk about, a increment in your rep range or an increment in the weights that you're going to be lifting from the beginning to the end of the cycle and you're using Enadrol, then your results should be that much more impressive. So I'll be looking at stuff, for example, triceps, Steve. It would be press downs, push downs. It wouldn't be kickbacks. It wouldn't be overhead dumbbell extension. It might be skull crushes. It would be dips. I want you to put on, as we would like to say in these particular regards, these sickening amounts of muscle. I want you to be stimulated. The only issue thing I would want you to be careful on, Steve, and this would be the warm-ups and the little pumps at the end that I mentioned already, would be to stop you pounding the fuck out of your joints because you got so goddamn big and so goddamn strong. This sometimes happens, and it certainly used to happen back in the day, Steve, that the guys would blow up so quickly on some PEDs that, they, for example, in the bench press, their pecs would get massively stronger, but the connective tissue did not. So, again, if I was coaching you, I would make sure we're stretching and make sure we're warming up and make sure the form stays good, but I would strip away all the bullshit and I would encourage you to be stronger and doing more reps on the basic exercises on a proper, proper bulk. Now, we could talk about, and I'll let Steve jump in for this, on, in terms of whether that's a clean bulk, in terms of you adding five or six, seven pounds of muscle, or dirty bulk. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Steve, some people going 20 pounds if they respond super well. So what do you think about keeping it clean and just adding pure muscle, Steve, when it comes to nutrition? Yeah, so look, at the end of the day, dirty bulking um, isn't a good idea because you're going to put on a lot of bad weight and it's going to be harder to get rid of that weight. You're going to boost insulin resistance. You're going to make your body more unhealthy. It's not a good look at all. So it's not necessary here. We want to get the most out of the cycle. We want to bulk the right way. And we want to get a lot lot better results on the anandrol. And one of the, the ways we can do that is keep our energy levels good, keep our sleep good, and eat a healthy diet. Because that's going to help. It's going to be a domino effect. So we want to stick to good quality, natural, whole food products. 
And we want to make sure that we're avoiding the processed junk. We want to avoid the junk food, the sugars, the refined oils, all that stuff that's in our diet. So eat a good, clean diet. And really, at the end of the day, if you're bulking, three to four meals a day is all you need. Um, just good quality meals. You don't have to consume a ton of carbs. You don't have to consume a ton of protein. You just got to eat good quality foods and the good things will happen on Anadrol. So I recommend, you know, if you work out early in the morning, go and work out and then, you know, eat a good quality meal afterwards. You know, you don't have to eat it right away. You don't have to get protein as soon as you leave the gym, but you know, a good nutritious meal that's not going to interfere with your sleep at night would be a really, really good thing to do. And if you're training more heavy, um, one, you know, one of the things I recommend is getting in a meal about an hour and a half to two hours before your training. And that will help with your, with, with strength. Training fasted is something that is amazingly wonderful. I love training fasted. Um, I'm more energetic when I train fasted. I don't have, um, you know, I don't feel when I'm leaning over that food in my stomach. I don't feel like I have to go to the bathroom or any of that stuff. So I like to evacuate before I go work out and, and train fasted. But if you're training for strength and you're using Anadrol, it, it's sometimes going to be a good idea, really most of the time, to get in a meal. Someone that who trains like Mobster does, who trains very heavy, um, and the way I used to train in my uh, early to mid-30s was train heavy. So two hours prior, a really good idea for you guys uh, is to have maybe a couple eggs. Make sure you're cooking them, you're prepping them correctly. They're good quality, humane-friendly eggs, pasture-raised eggs where the chickens get to run around in the sun, pick out worms off the ground. They're not stuck in cages walking through their own shit, spreading salmonella among, amongst themselves. You've got to stop buying those types of eggs because that's why eggs have become so expensive. It's because people keep buying the low-quality eggs, and the low-quality eggs, they end up getting... Uh, salmonella outbreaks, and then they have to basically take a lot of eggs out of circulation. So that's course that causes the price of eggs to go up. So make sure you're buying the good quality eggs. Okay. It's very, very important. Number two, you want to make sure that you're cooking the eggs properly, not in refined oils, get some good quality, unrefined, uh, cold pressed coconut oil and cook your eggs in that. Okay. Now I'm not saying that coconut oil is healthy for you, but it's neutral. It's not going to be bad for you. Um, you don't want to get those sprays and spray your pan. Those sprays are horrible. I don't care if it's, it says zero calories. doesn't mean anything. It's not good for you. It shouldn't be going to your body. Uh, canola oils and all these refined oils, all these vegetable oils, it's all bullshit. You can't squeeze a vegetable make it into oil. So make a couple good quality eggs. You can get a, 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 you know, a piece of fruit to have with it. Um, and that would be a really good pre-workout uh, hour and a half to two hours before. And then before you go to the gym, spend a good 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes trying to evacuate both peeing and bowel movement. Make sure you get everything, all the crap out of your system. This one, when you go work out, you're fresh. You don't have to go to the bathroom during your workout or anything like that. So that is the key and make sure you hydrate as well. Make sure you hydrate. And then that would give you the best way to go in and really getting a good workout when you are on um, Anadrol. So when it comes to nutrition, timing is important. Um, the people who say it's not, 
they don't know what they're talking about. Absolutely timing your meals is going to be crucial so you get good energy during your workout and the food isn't interfering with you. How many times do I see people in the gym locker room, which I avoid as much as I can, but sometimes I still have to go. They're in there and they're taking a dump. Okay. Why? It, it That is a sign that you're not timing your meals properly. You should take a dump before you go to the gym, not while you're at the gym. That's someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Okay. When someone has to take a dump while they're at the gym, you're in the gym an hour and you have to take a dump. doesn't make any sense. So it's all about timing your meals. If, if that doesn't make sense to you, then do three hours before you work out. Eat, eat uh, that, what I was telling you about, something light, and then have your bowel movement. And then make sure you get you get as much stuff out of your system as possible. When I used to train as a triathlete, that's what people would do. They would try to get as much evacuation as possible beforehand. It made a huge difference. You feel lighter, you're going to get a better workout. So it would be really, really good on Anadrol to make sure you get your diet on point and you time things better. This way you get the most out of your workouts. And then you're going to have the most gains on pharma, uh, parapharma Anadrol. So Mobster touched on that a bit. And then we're going to get into par parapharma and then talk about parapharma, why you love parapharma so much. Yeah, here's the thing, right? And dirty bulking is a fun subject. We, we've had uh, seen forum conversations, online stuff where people say, if you're doing a dirty bulk, what would you eat? And then we see fantasy photographs of crazy cheesed up, burgered up, relished up burgers and so on and so forth, or huge fucked up, you know, 18-inch pizzas and all this kind of thing. So it's a fun subject, and especially if you're super lean and, in your own opinion, vastly underweight and maybe even medically underweight then dirty bolts can be fun because it is essentially an excuse to eat anything that's not not to stop moving long enough for you to get a fork into it but here's the reality of that situation again bulking should be a percentage of fat a little bit of water but it shouldn't be massively so so the thing of it is guys i would rather you have a lean bulk and here's the thing again sorry also if you do a dirty bulk and you do, and you are one of those great responders, you're going to gain 20 pounds. I guarantee some of that stuff is fluff. When I fake fluff, it will be water, it will be fat. And you're just going to have to work to get that off. And there's something else on that particular subject. And I've seen some of the uh, members, it's kind of a head fuck, Steve, where they go, they, they start with a six pack, decide they want to get bigger, call it a bulk, bulk up, and immediately freak out because they've lost a line of, the abs or there's a little bit of more water going on than wherever else and then immediately stop the bulk and then go back to the cut they can't get past you know that they've lost some veins or abs or whatever else so i would prefer guys that you do a cleaner bulk which means eat more of the healthy stuff that you were doing that kept you lean just up the amounts up the protein up the carbs up the fat but don't start suddenly eating four pizzas a day because you want a dirty bulk and then bitch to us about just how much weight you put on and how much water you had to lose and how much fat and cardio you had to do and all those kind of things. Right. Don't forget, as I said before, guys, it's a 50 milligram pill from Parapharma. Um, that's the only option you've got. There are different ways of buying it from them in terms of the amounts. You can do deals if you buy more sachets and so on and so forth. Why do I like Parapharma? I've touched on this before. I have their products on my desk as I'm doing this podcast right now, in the next, let me look, Steve, six, seven days, 
oh my god i've just realized how quick that is i'm, I'm going to be doing a cut which means any crap in the house that i've got here right now i need to get rid of that by eating it and then in six or seven days i can't have any rubbish i can't have any junk food i can't have any ice cream i need to be having fruits i need to be having vegetables i need to cut down on my carbs and i have a cut stack from parafarma on my desk so that it's a trusted product for me. It's definitely mobs are approved. And you're going to see the results. So come on into the forums, follow that particular 28-day journey, four-week journey. On, uh, what else? Okay, so length of time on the scene. Why? Because there are labs that come and go. And some of you will know of labs. I can think of the regional dragon company being and gone and got raided and split into free and all that kind of stuff. So people are still going to rave and, 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 and talk about the legend of what that company used to be. You don't want a company that comes and goes. You don't want something that's amazing at the beginning. And then a year later, the people are saying that the products are, are duff, they're null and void. There's nothing in them. They're underdosed and so on. You want pro products that are on point. You want a company to be around a long time. So that's number one. Number two is they get to stick around a long time, Steve, because the products are trustworthy, because the products dosing is what it says on the label. And how do we know that? Because they've had tests. You can go onto the Parapharma site and look at the certificates of analysis. These products have been taken at random from their product line, sent off to labs, and the independent lab has tested the product. Not in-house, Steve, out of house. So there's that. We like that. We know, for example, if we go on a forum, and I'm not just on the Evo family, but all the forums that are out there, and you talk about Parapharma, the feedback will be good. There's always going to be competition. But the majority of feedback that's not got their own axe to grind and they're pushing another product, et cetera, will be just a person that's brought a product, tried it and used it and says, yes, Parapharma worked for me. That feedback will be good. So stuff like that, Stephen. And another one, it's a silly little one for me, but it's a sign and an indication. There's a couple of companies that do this. Parapharma is one of them that they've gone to time and effort. Their labels look different from pretty much anywhere, anywhere else. Even the sachets, like the Anadrol is going to come in. They are black sachets. Show me another company in the industry. I can't think of one right now, Steve. There might be one. But the great and vast majority use foil sachets, same as Parapharma, but they're either white or they're silver or they're something like that. What they aren't is black. What does that mean? It means Parapharma have gone out of their way, and it sounds like a big thing to talk about, a silly little thing to talk about, really, but it means they've gone out of their way to buy and invest a great deal of money to make their product line different. And that makes it that much harder to copy. It also makes it more unique. And so all of these things in themselves is a great suggestion for me of a big investment in that look, in that design, in the way that it's presented. And then you talk about holograms and label design, batch numbers, manufacturing codes, all these kind of things that were a big deal back in the day and are a big deal now, Steve, improving that you have a legitimate product that has what it says on the label and is a standout, unique design, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is a big time investment on part of the owners of Parapharma. And that makes it that much more difficult for other companies to come in and do the same thing because they'd have to put hundreds of thousands of dollars in to do that and so on and so forth. All of that makes it for me a solid ass company. But ultimately, we're looking at results here. And we know, because Steve and I have discussed this in other shows before, the results are there. So talk about your experience, Steve, before we finish up. Listen, at the end of the day, when it comes to orals, people don't realize this. They cut the orals with fillers to make it. So different 
brands are going to use different things. And the danger of using, you know, your buddy at the gym or some random source that you found online um, and, and using that gear is that you could be putting a lot of like toxic stuff in your body, a lot of chemicals, uh, metals and stuff like that. So you want to make sure that you're using a high quality brand that, that is, that knows what they're doing when it comes to fillers and they are putting the actual steroid in the oral and you're not just getting like a 20 or 30% of the, of the pill being that steroid. And the rest is God knows what. It could be sugar. It could be some type of other filler that they're using. It could be something, a harmful type of sugar, an artificial sugar that they're using just to save money. So this is very, very important. And at the end of the day, too, they could be selling you Debol instead of Anadrol. Debol is cheaper than Anadrol. Debol is the cheapest steroid. That's an old, that's an old school tactic um, that guys used over the years that sources use over the years to try to fool you is that they'll sell you something else where you think it's Anadrol. Well, they're really selling you D-ball because it's cheaper. So Parapharma, you can be rest assured, they've got the certificates analysis. They've been around for over 12 years. They have so many different forum reviews and they have a lot of customers that have used them for years and years and years with 100% satisfaction. So they've been tried and tested by actual bodybuilders, by actual weightlifters. Professionals use their gear for a reason. So you know that you're getting high-quality gear when you use Parapharma. So Mobster, finish out with your final thoughts. I think it was a great show. I think that at the end of the day, Anadrol is a great anabolic oral steroid if you want to just run a quick four- to six-week cycle and get really, really good results from you won't go wrong on it. I think, Steve, that the, the best response, the best results are going to be from you guys that have never used Anadrol before, or even better, have just come in into the idea of using performance on lots of drugs. You're going to get those crazy fucked up numbers that I talked about in the beginning. But like I said before, Steve, make sure that the training is super heavy, hard, designed to put pounds of muscle on to bulk you up. It doesn't have to be super clean and tidy. Don't freak out if you lose an ab. And if you put those things together and we talk about the, the up in the clean nutrition and then you use a sensible dose of Anadrol, 50 milligrams. Oh, my God. Those of you that respond well will fucking love it. You will blow up. It'll be like one of those conversations you're going to have with someone that hasn't seen you for a while. You've changed. Oh, my God, you're bigger. What are you doing? That's the kind of conversation you have. I think it's like this. In terms of the oral, Steve, for a typical user, it's going to be like it's a train of orals. It really is. It's otherwise for some of you, you're going to just go absolutely, oh, my God, I need to get you bitches. You should have told me I needed bigger T-shirts. You should have told me everything was going to be tighter on me. It's one of those kind of crazy for some users, for some listeners, they're just going to blow the fuck up. And the heavy training that we talked about and the proper nutrition we talked about are just going to make it that much better. Like I said, guys, don't freak out if you actually had two inches. Remember one of my things from before? On an average person, one inch is 10 pounds. Those of you that blow up 20 pounds, that's two inches on every muscle. That bicep, arm, the upper arm, the chest, the thighs, the calves, the neck. Everything's going to be two inches bigger if you hit the 20 pounds. So that would be amazing. Listen, do it the way that we suggested and then come back and give us feedback. 
those of you that Anadrol fans, let's hear some stories from you in the comments and on the forums about just how well you responded to. I want you to give indications to those that are thinking about dropping Anadrol as to exactly how your results are going to come off, because I think there might be some crazy stories out there, Steve, and I'd like to see them. Please note, we are not doctors and opinions are ours. It is our view and based on our experience of views on the topic, a podcast of informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the first amendment.